My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for The Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is The Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is The Inbound Welcome back to the Inbound Secret, guys. As always, your host, Bryce Vance here. I've got a very special guest. You've probably seen him around. Hell, you might have even taken advantage of some of his stuff. We've got Nathan Hirsch, CEO and founder of FreeUp.com and Outsource School is your recent project. We're going to be talking a little bit about past, present, future, some, some struggles, highlights, some successes. And I know you've got some gold nuggets for the listeners here today. So without further ado, Nathan, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and let's kick this thing off. Yeah, so I'm a, a longtime entrepreneur. I started off as an Amazon seller in my college dorm room, uh, got into hiring virtual assistants because college kids were, were pretty unreliable. And that led me down an interesting path. I ended up building a, a freelance marketplace to compete with Upwork and, and Fiverr called FreeUp. Um, I ran the entire marketplace with a, a team of virtual assistants doing everything from sales to customer service to, to billing clients. And we ended up getting acquired in 2019, which is pretty cool. And now I work on a few things. Uh, the first is Outsource School, where I teach entrepreneurs my systems, my processes to, to scale their business and systemize with virtual assistants. I have a software called Simply SOP, which is a tool for creating processes for remote teams. And then we also uh, partner and invest in different companies for minority equity and help build the teams for them and scale. So those are kind of the three things that I'm working on. Awesome, man. Awesome. So being, I went through the whole college experience too. It's, it's kind of what introduced me for the lack of a better term into becoming a serial entrepreneur, starting funnel driven, starting the company before funnel driven, really what led to starting the inbound secret. And I can tell you firsthand, college kids are not reliable. Like, like when you're, when you're in college, you think you are and like all your friends are like, yeah, man, I'll do whatever we need to do. Let's make it happen. And then half of them get drunk at two o'clock on a Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about did, what were you going to school for? Were you going to school for like business management an MBA? What, what was kind of your progression you were going for your education? So I knew I wanted to do business. My parents always made me have summer jobs and internships growing up. So I, I, I liked the business field. I didn't really like having a boss, but I went into college with business undecided and they actually launched an entrepreneurial program. And I remember at the beginning, they put all the freshmen in this big auditorium, all the business students, and they had each dean of each department go up and say, hey, like this is why you should do finance, this is why you should do e-commerce, this is why you should do marketing. And I'll always remember the, the entrepreneur, the, the new entrepreneur program, the new dean of that program, she went on stage and she just said, if you ever want life freedom, if you ever want financial freedom, the only way to do it is to become an entrepreneur. And then she just walked off stage. That was the only thing she said. <laughs> and, and that just sold me. And, and I ended up majoring in entrepreneurship, which was interesting because I was like studying business while I was starting my business. And mm -hmm. some things applied, some things didn't because they weren't really up to date with e-com and, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it was cool. I think that's a perfect segue where we've got a few talking points that I want to cover today. Uh, but I think that's a perfect segue into 
really kind of the entrepreneurial spirit and journey, right? Like you study business, you learn from people who were actively doing something or learned about something 20, 30, 40 years ago. And while the psychology of people hasn't super changed, the methodology of people has, right? Like what works in a brick and mortar doesn't necessarily translate to what works in e-com. There's a few tweaks and differences. Now, there's one thing that, that you're known for talking about, and that's followers, doers, and experts. Now, that comes into play when you're talking about a CEO, a COO who runs your SOPs, your VAs specifically. Can you run us through the difference between a follower, a doer, and an expert? Yeah, so I, I kind of came up with this back in the day because I was really struggling to hire people. I mean, it, it's funny, you kind of, you learn and you read about like marketing and all these different things, but no one ever taught me how to hire. So no matter how good I got at my other skills, I was always held back because I didn't know how to hire well. And one of the, the ways that I started to, to break it down over time is there, there's three different levels of entrepreneurs that are, sorry, of hires. You got the followers, the doers, and the experts. Now, People think of a virtual assistant, especially during COVID, as lots of different things. Anyone that works from home is a virtual assistant. For me, just to, to add clarity when I talk, when, when I'm talking about virtual assistants, I'm just talking about the followers. Usually 5 to $10 an hour, non-US, they're there to follow your systems, your processes. And they might have five years of customer service experience, but the way that you do customer service is different than the way someone else can. And you can hire very high level followers. I have VAs that do sales calls and lead generation and all these other things for me, um, but they follow my process to do it. Then you got the doers, the graphic designers, video editors, writers, you're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're there to do that one task at a high level. They do the same task every single day. And then you got the experts, the consultants, agencies, high level freelancers, whatever it is, but you're hiring the experts to either bring strategy or system to the table or both. You're not going to hire an expert and tell them how to do it. Just like you wouldn't hire a follower and say, Hey, go run Facebook ads without giving them a system and a step-by-step yeah. process. So understanding those different levels are important. And, and from a basic level, and, and obviously there's a lot more involved in hiring when you're an entrepreneur, whenever something comes up, you need to hire for, you always have to be thinking, do I need a follower? Do I need a doer? Or do I need an expert? And that alone is going to save you a lot of issues because a lot of people mess up hiring just because they hire doers for follower roles or they hire a follower for an expert role or whatever it is. <laughs> so one of the things that it, it, I'm a big fan of transparency, so I'm just going to kind of lay it out on the line. One of the things that we've struggled with, that I have struggled with throughout the years, throughout a couple companies is hiring. Uh, not, not because the actual procedure is difficult, right? Job post, interviews, qualifications, pay them, right? Pretty straightforward process. Right. But when you look at it from that level, you're like, this should be cake. And then you get 300 applications, 290 of which have no business being there. <laughs> 10, 10 of them, okay, are good, but eight of them have an attitude you don't want to deal with. One of them is not going to be able to work on your time frame or failure systems. One of them may be qualified, but you're at a risk of 30 to 90 days before you even know if they're going to be profitable. And then comes the VA side of hiring, right? The, which is kind of the new methodology, especially with what 2020 has been doing. Everybody's remote. Then you've got the risk of language barriers, time barriers, communication barriers, system access, IP lockouts. You've got some tech issues on the side. 
And we've struggled with that throughout the time frame. It, to be honest, we probably still struggle with it to an extent. I've gone through like fucking 30 salespeople this year. Some of them stick, some of them don't. Some of them hit the ground hot as fire and kind of fizzle out. Tell me a little bit about some of the, some of the lessons, some of the things you've gone through and learned and experiences that you've gathered going from that college student starting in e-com doing it sounds like FBA to really competing at a pretty high level with two of the largest freelance marketplaces on the planet getting acquired by somebody who was in the space and now being able to for the lack of a better term consult at a high level and provide programs to teach people how to avoid all of the headaches and mess that I've gone through myself. Yeah. And, and a lot of things you said is true. I mean, <laughs> let's see. So to, to start, you want to have a, a fast hiring process, right? I mean, we just live in an era where things just go a lot faster than they, than they used to. So yeah, you can do hours and hours and hours of interviews, but what we set out to do was design a very quick hiring process where you can do an interview for 20, 30 minutes and onboarding for 20, 30 minutes and then start training and then also structure the training in a way where they only move to the next level once they master that level. Because the last thing you want to do is train someone for two months and then realize they're not a good fit. You want to find out if they're not a good fit in week one. So there's a certain amount of structure that goes along with it um, that, that we spent years kind of systemizing because I remember doing eight hours of interviews in one day and picking up a chair and throwing it against the desk and my old, <laughs> they get to all the old office. Like, I can't do this every day. Like I've got other stuff to do. And, and another point that you said, I mean, we, we live in an era where people aren't coming up with like that many new ideas. Like I, to me, ideas have stalled. Like you've got lots of agencies, you've got lots of Amazon sellers, you've got info products, you've got coaching, you've got like, and yes, of course, there's tons of different variations of all these things, but we're, we're not, the, the, the new Ubers of the world, there, there's just not that many of them. So with that said, the difference between a, a good business and a bad business isn't necessarily the idea anymore. It's the execution of the idea and it's the hiring that goes with it. There's a lot of Amazon marketing agencies, for example, that are a dime a dozen, but the reason they stick around over another Amazon agency is because they're able to hire better. And that's what I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand. Yeah, I agree with you. It's one of those, it's one of those things that nobody teaches you that for the lack of a better term, up until things and experts like yourself in that field that, that have done the dirty work, decide to provide it for somebody we basically stumble through until we figure it out or we don't, right? And we've gone up and down, left to right, forward and backwards on hiring. We've gone fully virtual. We've gone remote. We've gone in person. We've done a mix of them. And there's always some validity in hiring, right? Right. But validity in hiring when you're spending 15, 20, 30, 40 an hour and validity in hiring when you're spending five to 10 an hour is a huge difference. So one of the things that, that we had talked about briefly and that I kind of want to pick your brain on is, and you just touched on it. It's the quick to hire process, quick interview, quick onboarding, quick training. First weekend, you know, if they're going to stay or not, right? Tell me a little bit about that process, especially for remote VAs, so that the listeners and quite frankly, myself can pick up some of these gold nuggets 
to really kind of compress that, because what, what I'm hearing from you is I can take what we're doing right now, which takes us about a month. We've got it down to about a month. We went from like two to three months to about a month. And I can compress that into about a week. Tell me about how, how that kind of works. Yeah. So, I mean, we teach all this at Outsource School where we give people the exact step-by-step, the exact interview questions or the exact what to look for when you get an answer from interview questions and how to structure the interviews along with videos of us actually interviewing real virtual assistants, some good, some bad, and you get to go through that and we're there to, to help people on the way. But we like to divide it up into interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And we like acronyms a lot at Outsource School. So the main two for the interviewing and onboarding are the CARE and the SICK method. So CARE stands for communication, attitude, red flags, and experience. And one of the things that we do during our interviews, unless the, the role has to do with voice, like a salesperson or a, a customer service phone call person, which 95% of your roles are going to have nothing to do with that, we do all the interviews via Slack. And there's a reason for this. We want, we want to use that to see their English skills, to see how quickly they respond, to see if they understand what we're saying or vice versa. And, and a lot of virtual assistants that are great VAs that I've hired aren't very good on camera. They don't like being on camera. It's got nothing to do with their job. So that doesn't mean you can't like wave hi to them afterwards or say, hey, I want to meet you in person for 10 minutes to, to just talk. But do your interviews in writing. It doesn't have to be Slack, but some kind of texting tool. And we structure our interview so it's not just based on experience. It's for communication, attitude, and experience. And you're not looking for the right answers. You're looking for the wrong answers. What are the red flags? What is this person saying that shows me they can't communicate, they don't have the attitude I want, or they don't have the experience I need? And then if they pass the interview, the onboarding is key. What a lot of entrepreneurs do is they say, hey, that was a great interview. Like you're hired, you start on Monday where we say, hey, that was a great interview. I want to go through expectations and make sure we're on the same page and give you a chance to back out before we even move forward. And that extra 20 to 30 minutes where we go through rate, we go through schedules, we go through how we handle issues, how we communicate, how our, what our culture is so that they know exactly what they're getting into and they have a chance to back out and we have everything in writing to hold them accountable to all that going forward. That is where you save a lot of time on issues that normal people spend with virtual assistants. Now, you, you said two things that, that really kind of hit me, right? Culture is huge. Not, not many people ever really think about culture in their hiring side. Now, I want to I kind of expand on that for a second. Building community culture, building corporate culture is relatively easy for people to understand when you're talking about inside a brick and mortar, inside of an establishment, inside the same complex. But when it comes to virtual culture, how are you still making sure that your, all of your standpoints, your mission, your vision, your cultural basis, the, the experience that you guys are providing translates to your new hires in a VA space? How are you making sure that they resonate with that? So I like to, to break down culture into three parts. First, you have to figure out what your culture is. And so I have a business partner. We meet every year. We go over culture. We make sure we're on the same page. Then you want to find people that fit the culture that you're looking for, because it's almost impossible to take someone who's not a culture fit and turn them into a culture fit. It just doesn't happen. So that needs to be a part of your interview process where no matter how good the applicant is, if they're not a perfect culture fit, you don't hire them. And then third, 
you have to maintain that culture over time. You can't just say, this is what my culture is. You need to actually take action steps to maintain them. So we actually did a culture meeting this morning. We do one once a month. It's a, a FaceTime happy hour, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and we did like a never have I ever game. People share um, their, what they're doing this weekend. Everyone's kind of stuck in lockdown now. So it's not too interesting, um, <laughs> but you, you kind of, you, you do things like that. And when it comes to culture, we like to focus on what we call our BARF method, which is a, a funny acronym, but it, it's all, everything we do is meant to either get them to buy in, to show appreciation for their work, to build a relationship with them or create a family environment. And we structure everything like that. And another small example, in all this, we teach at Outsource School. At our Monday morning meetings, we spend the first 10 minutes of every meeting, people just show pictures of their weekend. So we kind of start off with relationship building to start mm -hmm. every single week and then dive into the other stuff. And you have to do stuff like that if you want to maintain that culture. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, th I think that's a, a really good way to bring it to kind of the 21st century because historically you've got corporate parties, you've got outings, you've got gatherings, you've got the barbecue, you've got the potluck, you've got the open bar, you've got masterminds, you've got all these in-person type events. But most people fail to do that on the virtual side. So I like the fact that you guys have the culture first mentality. I think that's a really good way for people to be able to kind of experiment on that and be able to do that especially during times where you're right, everybody's locked up. It's like most of the world's still not fully open. So we're, we're kind of playing this, how do we get this to progress and do it the new normal, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, so no, absolutely. You mentioned Slack being your interview. Now, now a lot of people may be in the same boat as I am where Slack is kind of your team communication channel. It may even be a repository. It may be customer management tool. I've never thought about using it for interviews. The, the, I, gold nugget that I picked up, but tell me a little bit about why you chose Slack instead of Discord or Zoom or Messenger or really any other channel that's text-based. So it's funny. We actually used Skype for years. We did it with our Amazon business. We did it with all four years that I was with FreeUp. And it was good because you can communicate with clients, although it got slow, especially when I got a ton of messages. And when we sold FreeUp, one of the first things the new owners did was take everything off of Skype and move it over to Slack. And we were kind of part of that transition. And we kind of were watching because the people we sold it to, we have a great relationship with Mark Hargrove, David Martin, they're great entrepreneurs. We aspire to be them. So while we were going through that transition process, we tried to pick up every little nugget that we could on the changes that they were making on the business that, that we had um, spent four years creating. And that one, when we saw them communicate via Slack, we were like, wow, this is way better. We tried it with Outdoor School and, and we've been loving it and we refer it to our members now. But the, the point isn't use Slack. The point is do the interview via a texting tool so you can see how quickly they respond, how their yeah. English is, how they understand what you're saying, everything that we covered before. Awesome. Now, what one thing that I know is plaguing pretty much everybody that's watching and listening to this is there's this trade-off between how do I manage multiple VAs or how do I find one VA to do the job of multiple VAs so I don't have to manage multiple VAs? Tell me about your preference. Tell me about which one's worked better for you. Tell me about the benefits and contractors of each one. And then kind of give us a, a tips, tricks, strategy, insight to effectively do either option. 
So what we like to do is give people ownership of tasks and we like, we can, you can bunch some tasks together, but for the most part, you, you want to separate, especially if you're new to hiring a, a virtual assistant. So we'll, we gave a, one VA a task on our partnerships and our affiliates. That's something we just hired for. We have one VA that does all lead generation tasks. We have one VA that does our, our bookkeeping. So and then from there, how many hours they work just depends on the role. For free up, we needed multiple full-time billing people. For outsource school, we need one part-time billing person. Lead generation can go up and down. So I, by the rule of thumb, I would diversify. You don't want to be loading people up and, and having them split their time. You want them focused on one thing. But all things being equal, the best case scenario is you hiring full-time people that are exclusive to you. That's what you want. Now, Sometimes you need to be a little bit bigger to be able to do that. But if you're a bigger company that can afford VAs and you have enough work for them, hire people full-time. There's no reason to risk hiring someone part-time only to lose them or only to want to increase their hours and they're not able to. But that doesn't mean you need to hire full-time. For all my businesses, I started with $5,000 or less. I wasn't hiring full-time people. I was hiring a part-time bookkeeper, a part-time person for my inbox, a part-time lead generation person. And then I, I ramped it up from there. So while, the, while all things being even, you want full-time people exclusive to you, that doesn't mean you can't build up to that. Just know when you get your business to a good point and you want to become really scalable, you probably want to have full-time people to help you do it. So- where where are you finding these VAs? Because most of us are familiar with like your old company, FreeUp or Upwork or Fiverr or the hell these days, Facebook Marketplace. Now, while those are viable for certain things, they're typically task oriented, they're transactional based. Where are you finding these more or less ideal clients, ideal VAs to be able to come in that you can bring on full-time and build that direct relationship with? So obviously I'm biased. I built FreeUp, but we continue to use FreeUp. Every VA we've hired for outsource school has been through FreeUp. We still put them all through our vetting process, but I mean, FreeUp has some benefits. You, you don't have to go through 500 applicants. They send you the top three. Um, you can work with them directly. You can uh, communicate with them directly, not through the platform. They protect you if anything goes wrong. They have great customer service. I train the, the VAs there myself and not to go too on and on about FreeUp. I mean, there, there's plenty of good marketplaces out there. I think a lot of people get focused on like, hey, everyone from Upwork is good or everyone from FreeUp is good or everyone from Fiverr is bad. And, and that's just the, the, the wrong mentality. What you have to do is focus on, do you have a hiring process? If not, you need to improve that. And that's what Outsource School can help you do. And then from there, you look at the pros and cons of the marketplaces and say, hey, what's important to you? If you wanna go through the biggest database, Maybe Upwork is there. I mean, they're one of the biggest. If you only want to go through Filipino applicants and you want to hire on a fixed monthly price, onlinejobs.ph. If you want to go through less applicants and have better protection, free up is there. So it's less about like this place is bad, this place is wrong. It's more about pros and cons. But if you don't have a good hiring process, it doesn't matter what applicants or where, what marketplace you use. You might improve the percentage by going to a place like free up that vets, but you're still going to run into issues if you don't know how to hire and manage virtual assistants. Awesome. Now, with, without spilling your secret sauce, we've only got a couple minutes left. So I want to I wanna kind of just hand this over. It's going to be real kind of just natural. I'm not, I'm not going to ding you for questions. We're not going to do any of that. Just drop like your three biggest gold nuggets that the listeners to The Inbound Secret could take action on today to be able to get one step closer or, or even be able to hire and have some kind of effectiveness. Now, 
before you get started, I do want to let everybody know, Nathan's got something special for you guys, specifically because you're here on The Inbound Secret. He's partnered with us to be able to get all of you 15% off. If you go to outsourceschool.com forward slash enroll, if I'm not mistaken, the code's funnel driven. Is that correct? Right. And you can, if you go right to the website at Outsource School, you can schedule a call with my team and they'll walk you through Outsource School, answer all your questions and, and help make sure it's a good fit for you. Awesome. Awesome. So without further ado, remember guys, 15% off if you want to take advantage of this. Freeup.com if you want to kind of supercharge it. But Nathan, go ahead and drop some gold on everybody. Let's, let's see what we can do. And everybody take notes and take action. Sure. So the, the first thing that, that I did for four years at FreeUp is I would wake up every day to a list of leads. Now I say leads, but it could be customer leads. It could be potential partners. It could be potential influencers, podcasts to go on, Facebook group owners, and you can structure it however you want. But if you, if the first 10 minutes of every day, you take an email and you do some outreach and then move on with your day, that consistency over time is going to open up to a lot of opportunities and your business is going to be in a lot of different places. So set that up. We teach a lot of that at Outsource School, but it's a, it's a great way to make sure every day, even if you do nothing else, you've done really solid outreach that other entrepreneurs are probably not doing. Second is meetings. We have Monday morning meetings with all our virtual assistants. We have a team meeting for, so each team meets once a week. And then we do quarterly one-on-one -on -one meetings. These meetings are super important. We, we teach the structure at Outsource School. Um, but whenever someone would come to me and they're like, oh, my VA team has fallen off a cliff. They're not as good as they used to be. I'm having issues. My first question is how often are you meeting with them? And usually the answer is not enough. Um, and, and lastly, it's all about rate. So when we hire VAs as part of our onboarding, we go through with them and we find out what are your other clients paying you? What rate are you happy with? And we make sure that we're happy and they're happy with that rate. And not just the rates, but bonuses and raises too. We, expect, we explain all of it up front because you don't want to hire someone who's happy with $5 an hour now, but wants 10 at the end of the year, if you're only going to give them a $1 raise. It's not going to blow up on you now, but it's going to blow up on you at the end of the year. So yeah. you want to get a hundred percent on the same page. So you don't have to run into pay issues uh, down the line. And I guess those are my top three. Awesome, man. Awesome. Last but not least, I know we've gonna we're going to have some listeners that want to get a hold of you. Maybe they just want to follow you on social. Maybe they want to learn more about what you're doing. Maybe they even want to just start working with you more one-on-one, -on -one, get to know you, maybe become friends, take you out for a beer. Who knows? <laughs> Where do you want the people to find you? Instagram, Facebook, your website. What are you thinking? Yeah, uh, Nathan Hirsch, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive. Feel free to connect with me. Follow me. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for taking some time out today. I know it was a valuable lesson for everybody. Hell, I picked up some stuff that I think I'm going to have to take action on because quite frankly, hiring is not my strongest suit, but it is vital to our growth. So thanks for hopping on, man. It was a pleasure having you on. We'll have to do it again. Sounds great. This is the inbound secret. My name is Bryce, and I'm your host for the Inbound Secret, where we're talking with top performers and health experts and sales badasses alike about their strategies to optimize their well-being and performance. Once again, this is the Inbound Secret, and, and let's get rocking and rolling. This is the inbound secret.